such a privilege to be here. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes do you get a taste of heaven? Little taste of heaven. And as we sang that song, I felt like my spirit could just burst with the, the sound of heaven, the roar of the lion of Judah. He's roaring over you, and he's so pleased with you. So I just wanted to say that. I want to share a testimony this morning, and I hope and pray to impart a spirit of hope in you. And as I thought about it, some, a friend prayed it over me before we left, and she said, you're going to impart hope. And I thought, oh, I like that, because that is just such a special uh, gift that God gives us. But often, hope doesn't get a lot of press, because we think of faith, we think of love, we think of just the power of God. But hope is critical. Hope is critical. And I want to reference some verses in the book of Romans, chapter 5, where it says, Now we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then he says something else I don't quite like. He says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Oh, that, that one is not my favorite. That one is not my favorite. And we've been through quite a time, haven't we all? The world has been through quite a time. I was thinking this morning about the, you know, there were so many things that people said about 2020. I remember before COVID hit 2020, you know, in the church, we like numbers and we like prophetic signs and people were saying, this is the year of clarity and perfect vision and we're going to see all this stuff. And then what happened? Woo! We got a shake up. We got to wake up. We sang today about waking up, right? Wake up. And we got to, we got to shake up. And I personally got a real shakeup. In 2020, not only were we dealing with COVID as pastors and leaders and people, right? But that year, so many things that I cannot share with you, but they happened to us personally as a family. And many of you here have your own stories. It's not just COVID that hit us, was it? There were so many hard, hard things. There were so many hard things, and almost every month there was something happening in our family, our immediate family, that brought me to my knees. Things I never expected. News of sickness, bad news. Month I felt a little bit like Job, just a taste of it, a taste of how bad news can bring you to your knees. And there were many, many days where all I could pray was Jesus. I couldn't think of another thing to say. There wasn't much to say. Personally, I'm a tongue talker and I thank God for the gift of tongues because I could pray in the spirit because I didn't know what else to say. I was suffering. My heart, my spirit were absolutely stunned by what was going on in my family. And I would often find myself on the kitchen floor sobbing, crying out to God, save us, Lord, save my family. Don't let this be happening. This is such bad news. Romans 5 said that we rejoice, not only so, but we rejoice in our suffering. For suffering produces perseverance. And I learned that there was a deeper well in me than I thought. I just wanted to quit. I did. I wanted to quit. I said, God, this is too much. It hurts too much. I know others have suffered more, but I would like to quit right now. Could I quit right now? And of course, he just said, Val, I'm with you. You know, we sang a song today that said something about the past is gone, the future can wait. Sometimes you and I need to remember that because some of us are stuck in the past. Some of us can't wait for the future. And Jesus says, I'm here right now. I'm here right now. A little bit of my breath back. Do you ever have it where you've been punched and the air is knocked out of you? That's how 2020 felt. So, so much for perfect vision or whatever that was. I was just like holding on. 2021 saw more. More waves, not in my family so much, but friends that we loved. People died before they should have, not just from COVID, accidents, cancer, horrible things. And then I got diagnosed with breast cancer. That was a shock. And God was gracious to me, and it didn't go in as deep or as far, but it was an experience of all the emotion, all of the feelings, and again, just reeling and thinking, Father, what's going on? Can you help me? Can you, can you give me strength? Give me perspective? I felt numb. Did some of you feel numb over some of the season? Your soul just feels numb. It's like, I don't know if I can take anymore. I don't even know what to feel. And yet you carry on, don't you? You know how to put your foot in front of the other. You know how to get out of bed in the morning. And it says perseverance produces character. And so my character, I said, Jesus, I thought I knew you. 
I thought I loved you, but now I'm having to go to a deeper place. Suffering produced perseverance, and perseverance produced character. And then it says this, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint us. I bless you today with hope. I have come out. I'm coming out. I am coming out of the other side. I took, I took some time. I had to take some time. I had to take some time. Sometimes we have to take some time to stop, pause, be with Jesus. Don't just keep moving. Christians are great for just moving. We're all great for just moving, especially in Western culture. Just keep moving, build something, do something, do something, build something. And Jesus said, would you just stop? Sometimes he pulled his disciples away, didn't he? And he said, let's just take some time to talk about what's just happened. Let me teach you. Let me process with you. And Jesus says that to you, and he says it to me. Let's just take some time. So I took some time to be still. I still, I I quieted as much as I could in my life to just be still. I journaled a lot. I cried a lot. I listened. I walked. I just tried to process with Jesus. I had a counselor for the first time in years. I had a counselor. The leader, the pastor had a counselor. I had someone speak into my life and ask me good questions and pray for me. And I took that pause. And God was good. I started to feel myself thawing out. I started to feel again. Sometimes I didn't know what to do with all those feelings. Some of them were weird. Some of them were foreign to me. But the Lord said, I'm in it all, Val. I'm in it all. Hope. This world needs hope. This world needs you and I to come alive again. To come alive again. But sometimes we have to take time to let Jesus speak to the processes that are going on in our lives. And I wish I could tell you everything is fine. Everything is perfect. Everything's back to normal. Everything's right again. I'm just great again. All is well. There's no more problems. Actually, physically for me, I just want you to know I am well. Pretty much declared well. I've gone, I've gone through and I'm well. And I'm grateful. Grateful to the Lord. But there's many things I'm still believing for. Are you still believing for many things? We're still believing. And while we're here, we're still believing. So while we're here, we need hope. We need hope. And scripture says hope will not disappoint us. For some of you, I would encourage you to actually do a little study on the word hope. There's so many amazing scriptures. But this is the one that I'm going to leave you with. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him that you may overflow with hope don't skip any of those steps you only get that when you choose and learn to trust you there were times I had to say I don't trust you Lord I do believe help my unbelief he'd say there a friend of mine just recently in another one of our churches here in England telling me what she was going through and what she had suffered Oy. And I said, oh, Jesus. And she said, God gave her three things. He asked her three things. He said, do you love me? Do you trust me? Am I enough? And there were times during this last season, I have to confess to you, I said to the Lord, you're not enough. I want what I want. I want these things. I want these people. I want these things right. And I had to learn to uncurl my fist of control of expectations, and open up to the Lord. And the peace that began to come as I did it on a daily basis, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender. My expectations, my timelines, my prayer requests, I surrender. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you will. You will have your way, and I want to rest in that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him best part, that you may overflow, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I can't do it on our own. You cannot do it on your own. I want to encourage you every day when you get up, you start the day, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Holy Spirit, fill me up. I'm a leaky vessel, Lord. Fill me up. I was, I was emptied out yesterday or through this last season. Fill me up, Lord. You will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I quickly pray for you? Father, some are suffering in this room. Some feel it acutely. It's heavy. It's a heavy weight. And they've been broken. Some things have been taken and stolen. And we're hurting, Lord. Some parts of our heart and our soul are hurting. 
Holy Spirit, I pray you would breathe over this room, right? Breathe over every person, every man, woman, and child. Breathe. Breathe hope. Breathe hope so that we can all rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You're going to make it right again. You're going to work it out. We don't know how, we don't know when, but you promised us, Lord. You are the overcomer. You rose. You are no longer in the grave. And we thank you for hope, because hope will not disappoint us. You are our hope. Our hope is in you, and we choose to trust you, Father. So blow off the darkness. Bring light today. Give us hope, Father. We thank you. Lord, bless these beautiful people. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, it's good to be here. It's a beautiful church. Your worship, worship team, that was phenomenal. Just sense the Lord's presence and grace. And uh, I know he's here with all of you. And I'm just excited to be able to, to share this morning. Greetings from Lifelinks International. Also, greetings from Forerunner Church in Calgary, Alberta. That's the church that we lead. So they won't be meeting right now. They'll be meeting in a while because it's seven hours difference, but uh, we're excited to be here. So I want to jump right in. I don't want to take too long because I have some things I want to share and leave with you today. But I was thinking about the difference this morning between football for you and for me. So where I come from, football uh, is different. We have American football. We have Canadian football, three downs, four downs. Anybody follow this at all? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. Oh, a Patriots. Okay, he's, he's there. He gets it. Uh, so it's a little different, though. And I, I was asking uh, what your football teams are. We call them soccer teams because we, ha- we have football or something. Anyway, you know what I mean. So Port Vale and Stoke City. Now, <laughs> I'm going to be careful with this. Because where I come from, I live in Calgary. And we, we, hockey's big for us. So there's the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. Anybody know about this? Oh, somebody way back there. Wow, okay. There was always a few people. High rivalry, two cities. Yeah. So we, we could split our church if we get into that. I could split your church. Just saying, Ian came, he, he, he sowed division between us. So I don't want to do that. But all I know is that there is a big difference between football here and football at home. One of the big differences is that Back in my country, football, we, we have a huddle. So um, I don't know, I can't remember how long it is, but the quarterback who, who kind of leads the play, throws the ball, all that, he pulls back with his team and they, they select a play and then they go out and they execute the play. They, you know, they bash into each other and throw the ball or run the ball and then they go back and they do another play and that's how it works. Now here with football, you don't do that. You just keep going, right? You keep moving. In fact, the time just keeps rolling, right? So it's very different. But I was thinking about this illustration and how uh, this COVID season, in some ways, for a lot of us, has been like a huddle. Would you agree with that? Like, literally, I know following what was happening here, you had lockdown, then you had a bit of freedom, then lockdown again. How many lockdowns were there? Two, three, 15? Like, lots. <laughs> So there's a lot, and I felt that way at home too. We had the same thing, you know, oh, there's freedom. Oh, there's no freedom. Oh, there's freedom. And so kind of the huddle, you know, we all had to huddle literally in our homes, didn't we? We had to, only our family. I mean, we, there was seven months we didn't see our extended family and our grandkids. Really tough, look through windows, stuff like that. So we've gone through that. And I think, you know, we had a huddle kind of mindset. We had to huddle, but now we're coming out, aren't we? It was great to come over here. We, we don't have mass anymore at home either, and it's freedom here. And I think that's exciting. But here's the problem, I think. We can retain the huddle COVID mindset if we're not careful, right? We just spent two years through all of this, staying separate, staying to ourselves, being limited in what we can do. And I think if we're not careful, we could stay in that mindset. And I really believe God doesn't want us to stay in that mindset. He wants us to break the huddle and run the play. Okay, there it is. He wants us to break the huddle and run the play that he's given us. And I want to show you a picture this morning from uh, the book of Haggai. And it's a story of God's people and him coming to them. And really, he was causing them to break huddle. He was challenged with your own life. Let me just say this. I believe for all of us, there is more. There is more. 
And whatever God is doing in your life right now, whatever he did post-COVID, or, or sorry, post-COVID, pre-COVID, whatever was happening in 2019, sometimes we go, oh, I wish it was 2019 again. No, God has more than 2019. He has more than pre-COVID. He wants to do whatever happened in your life and my life during COVID-19. I don't know about you, but it was like Val shared. It was kind of gut-wrenching at times. It was hard, wasn't it? I think God did some deep stuff in all of us. But now he wants us to take it into the world. So let's look at this passage in Haggai uh, chapter 1. And I want to just summarize here. So here's what's happened. Here's the context of what's going on here. Um, In 538 BC, long time ago, the Jews returned from 70 years in exile. They were in Babylon, Persia for 70 years. And uh, they came home to a city that was in ruins. Jerusalem was in ruins. The temple was destroyed. There was nothing. And so they came home, and in 536, so two years later, they started to rebuild the temple. They started to do what God had called them to do to get a new temple. But then, two years later, they stopped. We don't know why they stopped. Well, we kind of do know why. They, they tell us why. They stopped. And for the next 14 years, they didn't do anything. <laughs> 14 years. And then finally, God comes to them. Have you ever thought how patient God is? Do you ever think about this? They stopped working for 14 years in the temple. Finally, after 14 years, he sends a prophet with a word for them. I would not be as patient. I think I'd be like a a year later, six months later. Hey, guys, what happened? You stopped working on the temple. He gives them 14 years. God gives you and I lots of time. You ever realize that? He really is patient with us. So anyway, after 14 years, he comes back to them. And here's what he says in Haggai chapter 1. It says, verse 3, The Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. What he's saying is, you're living for yourselves. You're, you're taking care of you. Okay? I've noticed that you're taking care of yourself. You're building your houses. You're doing all this. But here's the problem. You're not satisfied. You're not content with just taking care of you. You're feeling like there must be more to life. That's what he's saying. And so then the Lord says this to them in verse 7 through the prophet. He says, verse 8, Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. So he tells them, start to rebuild the temple. Go back to the original calling I gave you. Go back to the purpose that I put in your hands, which was to rebuild my temple. But you've forgotten for 14 years. You've gotten focused on yourself. You've huddled away into your own life. And I want you to start moving outside your life again. I want you to start doing what I've called you to do. That's what he says. Then in verse 12, here's what happens. The people respond. It's, It's very cool how this progresses. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel... Anybody name their kids Zerubbabel here? Yeah, not really a popular name, is it? Zerubbabel. Anyway, he, he is actually the governor. And he, he and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, he's the high priest. And the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you says the Lord. Here is the cool thing. They heard the message, they felt challenged, and they thought, okay, we've got to do something about it. We've got to do what God called us to do. We've got to push beyond our own boundaries again. And as soon as they say yes, God says, I'm with you. See, I love this about God. Not only is he patient, but listen to this. When you and I take one step towards him, he goes, I'm with you. Isn't that amazing? When you think about you that have come to Jesus and know Jesus, you think about, I found God. No, actually, he found you. Do you realize that? I mean, this is, this is kind of the picture of you, you and I and God. It's like God is there, and I feel the drawing to come towards him. So I'm like, I feel a little weak and feeble even in my efforts to get to you, but I am going to start coming to you. And as soon as we take one step, he's like, I'm right there. I'm with you. You know, somebody needs to hear this today. You feel like you're a long way from God. You're like, you know, I'm a long way from God. I've done a lot of things lately. 
and uh, I'm just so far away. I, I showed up here today, but, but I just feel like a million miles from him. Let me just say something. He's not far from you. You take one step towards him today, and he'll run to you. He'll say, I'm with you. Somebody needs to hear that. Don't take long to return. Return quickly, and he will be right there with you today. So here's what happens in verse 14. I like this. The Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And they began to work on the house of their God. He sparked their enthusiasm. I don't know about you, but I like enthusiasm. I'm kind of feeling it right now. Do you sense that? I'm feeling enthusiastic. What would you rather be? Oh, that's my life. Another day. Guess we'll get up. It's going to be the same day as it was yesterday. Huh? Kind of the Eeyore mindset. Would you like that? Or would you like to get up and go, you know, I'm excited today. I sense God has something fresh for me today. I sense that he's going to use me to reach people today. And I feel stirred in my spirit. How many people would rather be that way? Well, see, that's what was happening. These people were all focused on their own lives. They were spending all their energy on themselves. I think one of the risks come out of COVID too is that we want to take care of ourselves. I need, you know, many of us feel weary. I get that. And sometimes we, when we feel weary, we say, the only way out of my weariness is to conserve myself. I want to see less people. I want to do less. I just want to, uh, let me just focus on my family, focus on my job for a while, and then eventually I'll feel better and I'll get out there and I'll start doing other things. But I just need to take care of me right now. Let me just say something. Self-care is not a bad thing, but God has a supernatural way of energizing you and I when we step beyond ourselves and obey him. He sparks our enthusiasm. He says, I'm going to give you some energy for what I've called you to do. And when you start doing the very thing I've called you to do, you're going to feel the most alive you can feel. That's what he does with these guys. They're they're kind of building their own houses and doing things. And all of a sudden, he sparks their enthusiasm until building the temple is like the best thing for them. It's the most exciting thing they could be doing right now. And so Haggai 2, 4, and 5, the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So don't be afraid. Now get to work. So he says, hey, I'm with you. I'm stirring you. Now go for it. And then he says this in verses 9, and I'll finish this passage with this. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord. And in this place, I'll bring peace. Let me just say something to you on this. Remember what I said about pre-COVID? Remember what I said about all that was happening pre-COVID? Forget it. Because God has more for you. No matter what happened in COVID, no matter how tough it is, and I'm not diminishing COVID. Like Val said, we've had our own struggles. But God is going to do more. And I think that we are poised for more. I think the world is ready for God to move by his spirit. I think people are hungry and yearning for something different coming out of this season. And you know who the people are who are going to carry that? You and me. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We carry the presence of God. He says, I want you to go into a weary world and I want you to take refreshing and I want you to spark them as I spark you. Is this too much for you today? Okay, good, because I'm not going to tone it down. I'm feeling... (laughs) I'm sensing something today. I think you're supposed to go out with a new spark in your spirit. I think you're supposed to go out with a new commission from God. I do. You're supposed to leave here with more and a sense of what God has. Here's three quick points I have today. Number one, true blessing follows a kingdom focus. True blessing follows a kingdom focus. Look at Matthew 6 for a moment. Just think about this. Jesus is talking in Matthew 6 about worry and the things that we focus on and and how he's the provider, how he takes care of us. Look what he says. Don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These were the things that the Jews in Haggai's time were focused exclusively on. 
eating, wearing, drinking, where they're living. They're focused totally on themselves. Jesus addresses it centuries later, and he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. You ever thought about that? People that don't know Jesus, people that don't have a confidence in God's provision, they dominate their thoughts. But here's what Jesus says. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. This is a powerful, powerful verse. Look at the message paraphrase. It says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. This is a powerful truth. What it's saying to us is the greatest sense of fulfillment that you and I will have, the greatest sense of purpose, the greatest enthusiasm for living will be when we serve kingdom purposes, when we do what God's called us to do, when we give our energy, our time, our talent, our treasure to what God has purposed for us. When we do that, this is Jesus saying, you put that first, you say, that's number one, I'll provide everything else. I'll take care of everything else for you. You know, Val and I have been around long enough and gone through enough that we've seen that to be true. I remember years ago, we were volunteer youth pastors in a town in Canada near us, where we live now, and volunteer, not making a wage, struggling financially. Uh, I was a straight commission salesperson with four kids, sole provider, no base salary, all commission. It was a faith walk for me often. And I, I remember, though, that the Lord, I struggled with his provision. I was trying to be obedient. We felt called to that town. We had an assignment there, and, and we knew we couldn't leave till God released us. And I remember the day, I mean, I was struggling. I was praying, God, take care of us, and it was just hand to mouth. Actually, for years, it was just hand to mouth, hand to mouth, trusting God. And I remember the day God told me this. He said, Ian, you take care of my business, and I'll take care of yours. And I've been struggling and stressing. And I came home and I told Val, and she remembers this. And I said, honey, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, if, you, if I take care of his business, if we take care of his business, we do what he's called us to do in this town, and we're faithful, he'll provide for us. Even though it's hard, and even though being here is a sacrifice that requires obedience, he said he'll take care of us. You know what he did? See, we can never outgive God when we give him what he's calling us to give. We can't outgive him. When, when God says, I want you to serve in this ministry and I want you to give this time, we say, I don't know if I can do that. But you know God's calling you. Listen to me on this. You can never outgive God. You start giving in that ministry. God will provide for you. God will take care of you. True blessing follows a kingdom focus. Secondly, we're energized when we obey this kingdom call. We're energized. And I already went through this verse passage, so I won't go through it again. Uh, but the Lord sparked the enthusiasm. Also, I want to read two to you. I don't think they're up on the screen, but I want to read a couple scriptures for you here that I, that I added. Romans twelve ten to 12. Listen to this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. How? Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Now let's back up for a minute. Look at this again. Never be lacking in zeal. You know what zeal is. Zeal is that enthusiasm, that stirring, that passion for what you're doing. But keep your spiritual fervor. Keep it. How? Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord, engaging in his purposes, is one way you keep your zeal right? One follows the other. And so sometimes, let me just say this, sometimes we have to take a step of faith to engage in what God's called us to do. Sometimes it's like, I don't really feel like doing this right now. I don't really feel like pushing out right now. God says, look, if you'll step out again and you'll push in, you'll actually increase your fervor. You'll increase your zeal. By serving me, by being obedient, I'm actually able to work with that. And I'm able to stir you up and give you grace. Philemon 1.6 says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. I know you've been talking about evangelism. I know you've had training. I know you're growing in your ability to share with others so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I love this passage. Look at this passage. It implies that the only way you and I understand every good thing we have in Christ 
is by being active in sharing our faith. There is a certain revelation about who God is, who Jesus is, and how powerful he is that only, listen to me, only comes when you and I are actively engaging and sharing with other people. Isn't that powerful? Now, sometimes, if you're like me, sharing with other people isn't easy. You can feel timid. You can feel like, I don't know if I have the right answers. I don't know if I know enough. But I'll tell you this much. Every time I step out and I take a risk and I engage in conversation with someone and I share Jesus with them, I'm energized. I'm stirred up again. I want to encourage you that that's what God has for you. He wants you to engage in that kingdom call. Proverbs 11 says this. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love this passage. This passage helps me when I feel unrefreshed. And I feel like I don't want to do something. (laughs) You know, you might think that because we're full-time ministers and full-time pastors, it's just easy and... Wow, I wish I could do that. Sometimes it's draining, right? Paul and Sarah, but not with this church. Ever, (laughs) never, ever. But it's tough. Speaking of Paul and Sarah, they're awesome. You know that, right? They're great leaders. We've been hanging out with them and their daughters, and it's been wonderful. You've got great leaders who love you and love the call of God on their lives, so bless them. But sometimes all of us get to a place where we don't have the energy. But I found... When I take that step and say, okay, God. I remember when I was in Bible school, um, we would have witnessing every Friday night. I went to Bible school in Portland, Oregon, USA. And uh, I was a Canadian in the U.S. Yeah, it was okay. Sometimes I really felt different. Canadians and Americans are different. I know over here maybe you think we're just one and the same. But we're, we're, we're unique and different. But I generally, I enjoyed it greatly. Anyway, I was, I was there, and I worked in the kitchen every, uh, most days. Actually, every day I worked in the kitchen. I did put my way through cleaning pots and pans and stuff like that. So I, I worked hard, Then we had studies and everything else. So by Friday night, when we had evangelism, streets of Portland, I was like baked. I mean, I was ready to just lie on my bed. Like I, every, every Friday night, I'd have a debate. Like, oh, should I go? Man, I'm so tired. I... I think I just need to go have a nap. Like, seriously, I, I was going to, and I'd, I'd wrestle all the time. Then I'd think, yeah, but if I don't go down, maybe there's somebody that won't be met because I didn't go there. You know, I was like 19, and I was just thinking, yeah, you know, I, I should. So I'd go. I'd be really tired. I'd go, you know what? Whenever I went, the Lord would always do something every time. Stuff would happen on the street. We'd talk to people. And I'd always come back, and I never felt tired. I don't know what happened. I was just all excited, right? But every Friday, I had that debate. Maybe some of you have that debate when it comes to going to prayer meetings. Sorry, let's just be real here. You know, oh, it's Tuesday night prayer meeting. I want to have a nap. It's been a long day, a long week, a long year, a long life, you know? (laughs) But maybe if you showed up at the prayer meeting, again, I'm not pointing fingers. I don't even know who I'm pointing at anyway, so don't worry about it. But if you went to the prayer meeting, maybe God would meet you there. And even though you're tired and you wish you could just lie on the, on the couch with the telly and look at that, maybe if you went to prayer meeting, you'd be like, oh, that was so good. I was so energized. Or that meeting you have or that group of people or that small group when you're tempted not to go. Be like, I'm going to break huddle. I'm going to go run a play. I'm going to join my small group right? Energy. God wants to do something. Ephesians 5 says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Here's the reality, filling of the Holy Spirit every day. And I want to just say, I'm not talking here about us just doing things right, for the sake of doing things. I'm talking about us following the Holy Spirit, being obedient in what he calls us to do, but being filled. And I want to encourage you, as you come out of this COVID season and just life in general, practice the presence of God in your life. Stop and wait on the Lord and say, Father, fill me. You know, before I preach on Sundays, I do that. I just ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. I sense his presence. I know he's with me. And it's the same for you as you go to work every day. It's the same for you as you go to school every day. It's the same in whatever you do. Or when you want to engage with those neighbors on your street, Holy Spirit, 
Speak to me, fill me, empower me. We can't forget that we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then Zechariah 4 tells us this, says this. This is what the Lord says is rubbable. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Another version says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. So anything that God's going to accomplish in my life will be by the Holy Spirit. So I'm not telling you to just go out, work in your own strength, do it your own way. No, I'm saying go out, obey the Lord, but let him fill you. But as you do, he's going to fill you even more and you're going to be refreshed and you're going to be stirred. I want to finish with a scripture here uh, that, I, that I shared actually at your leaders gathering the other night and um, on Wednesday night. And I, and I felt like I wanted to just hit on this scripture again because I think that God wants to really tailor this today to each of you where you're at. And so it says in James 5, it talks about the, the place of prayer when it comes to the release of the Spirit of God in our lives, what I just talked about. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I love this part in verse 17. Look at this. Elijah was as human as we are. Anybody here feel really human? Anybody feel? I feel super, not superhuman. I feel very human. Superhuman's the opposite of what I often feel. I feel very human at times. He was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and earth, the earth began to yield its crops. Now this, this is really powerful. So we're talking here about God doing great things in our lives. We're talking here about breaking huddle, about, you know, maybe we've had a cloistered existence. Maybe we've been a bit preserving and God's saying, I want you to step out. I want you to obey me in these areas. I want you to let me spark and stir you. I want you, I want you to be open to what I have to do. But how do we know what to do? How, how do we know what we're called to do? And this is what I want to talk about as I, as I conclude here. Because this is what is so powerful with Elijah. Elijah was as human as we are. Now, I don't know about you, but he seems beyond human to me. Do you, do you remember? For those that might remember, Elijah, he's the one who called down fire on Mount Carmel and burnt up all the offering, even after they poured three lots of water on it and, and the prophets of Baal were defeated. I mean, this is, this is Elijah. He raised a woman's son back to life. This is Elijah. There was a miracle where this woman was taken care of with, with her provisions for a long period of time because of Elijah. To me, that doesn't sound ordinary. He's a, he's a very extraordinary person, and yet it says he's just like you and me. So I was studying this out, and I shared this, like I said, a bit the other night. And here's what happens, and, and I, I want to give you this picture. So Ahab was the bad king at the time. When, when Elijah did that miracle on Mount Carmel, where the fire came down and everything happened, Ahab was the bad king. And, and so here's what Elijah said to him in 1 Kings 18. Remember, there had been a drought for three and a half years. And it's because Elijah prayed that there'd be a drought. And Elijah told the King Ahab, It'll only, there'll only be rain when I pray for there to be rain. Now he needed to hear God, right? So this is amazing. So what happens is Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. He bent down to the ground and he put his face between his knees. And then he said this to his servant, go and look toward the sea. He told his servant and he went up and looked there. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times I am the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Now, here's what, here's what happened. Elijah, so I was, I was studying this out, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, isn't it cool when he speaks to us? He said to me, how come Elijah could pray the way he did, even though he was an ordinary person, even though he's just like you and me, how come he could believe for something so big? How come he could keep praying that there would be rain coming when there'd been a drought? And, and I realized it's because he heard the sound of rain. And I thought, well, where did he hear the sound of rain? Was it physically raining? Obviously not. Where did he hear it? He heard it in here. He heard it in his spirit. 
He knew what God was doing because God gave it to him first. God said, this is what I'm doing right now. And so he heard it. And when he heard it, he said, Ahab, uh, go eat and drink because the rain's coming. And then he went up. But then here's what happened. He heard it. And then what did he do? He prayed. He went up on Mount Carmel again where he had the great miracle. And it says that he bowed down like this with his face between. I won't do that because well, I'm not as in good shape. It would be awkward. That, and it's, it's a picture of intercession and birthing in prayer is what it is. He birthed in prayer this, and then he tells the servant, go look. Seven times his servant goes and looks, and there's no cloud. Like, it would be like blue sky. But on the seventh time, the servant comes back and says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And immediately, Elijah says, go tell Ahab to run, because there's going to be a storm coming. It's going to be a torrential downpour, which it was. Now, why do I tell you this? Because... God wants you to hear a sound. When it comes to you breaking huddle and moving out with a play that he calls you to do, he wants you to hear his sound for you and this church and even your nation. He wants, I believe that there's a sound of revival in the air. I believe that God is stirring us, and I sense this, And I think of you and I'll say, God, what are you saying right now? What is the sound for me? Where am I to engage? What am I to do? He'll speak to you. He'll show you. And then, listen, here's the second part. Then he prayed about it. And I encourage you as a church, I encourage you as individuals to dig in on those things. What has God put on your heart? What what do you hear? What are you sensing maybe for the youth of this church? What are you sensing for the community, for your job, the people you work with, your school? What are you hearing? And then go to prayer on it. Because here's the thing. I believe God wants to bring his revival through us into the world. I believe he wants many, many people to come to know him in these days. And there are people in the Valley of Decision who are weary and dry. But but we we need to hear it. We need to ask him to speak to us and we'd hear the sound and then pray. And I I believe, listen, I believe that there'll be huge blessing in that for you, for this church, for this community. Does that make sense? Do you hear what I'm saying? And I think, here's the thing. When you and I hear, then we can persevere. We can move forward, right? We're not going to let it go because we heard it. I I think of Elijah when the the sky was blue and there was no evidence of rain, but he kept telling his servant, go look, go look, go look, because he was so convinced that he heard God and that he prayed. I believe God has that for you. And listen, I want to encourage you with something. Get ready ahead of time too. With, with, with who you're ministering to and what you're doing, even in this church, get ready ahead of time. Because when the small cloud shows up, it's just a sign that bigger clouds are coming. And it's almost too late to get ready by that time. And I just feel like God says, get ready. Get expectant about my work and what I'm calling you to do. And the last point I had, which goes without saying, is the best is yet to come. In Zechariah 4, which talks about the building of the temple as well, it says in verse 10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. See, the temple that was built in those days was much smaller than Solomon's temple. It was not the same glory, as it were. And for some people that knew of Solomon's temple, they actually cried when the foundation was laid because they realized it wasn't as big. But God actually says... In verse Haggai 2, verse 9, that the future glory of the temple will be greater than its past glory. What was God talking about there? I think he was looking to Jesus. He was looking to the coming of Jesus. He was looking to what was going to happen through you and me. He's going to say, you know that Solomon's temple that was so great? Even the one being built now? Future glory is going to be greater than any of that. And I think we need to see the same thing. Future glory of our lives, of this church is going to be greater than the past. Let's not stay focused on the past, folks. Let's turn our focus on what Jesus wants to do now. Let's break huddle and move into the play God has for us. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where are you still huddling where the Lord wants you to break out and run the play? Where in your life right now, to make it personal, are you holding back? Is there any area where you're like, you know God said... 
I want you to do this. I've called you. But you're like, "Ah, I'm hesitant. I don't feel I have it. I don't know about my time. And God's saying, take a step of faith today and say yes and begin to move forward and I'll be with you and I will stir you and I will heal you. You know, some of you, I believe you need healing after this COVID season. I believe that there's there's some hard things, but I feel like the Lord says, as you begin to reach out and bless others and touch others, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I will refresh you. I will heal you. Would you stand with me today? Remember, true blessing follows kingdom building commitment. We're energized when we obey God's kingdom call and the best is yet to come. Can you close your eyes with me right now? Something I like to do at home is I always like to kind of lock in what the takeaway is. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can't even remember the next day what I preached the day before. (laughs) So I need to lock it in. What did God say to me today? So let me ask you this question. What is God saying today? Just give it a thought. Give it a consideration. Where are you called to break huddle, like I said? What else might he be saying to you this morning? Just kind of zero in. with our heads bowed, eyes closed. Okay. I, I, I feel like I just want to ask, and again, not looking around, because I just want to give privacy to this, but I feel like we need to respond. Is there anyone here when I talked about being insular and kind of being in the huddle? And it really hit you because you realize you have been in some ways in your life, and you're feeling challenged. Would you just do me a favor? and just I just think responding to God, just slip your hand up and let me know that this spoke to you today. Anybody here, you've just been kind of huddled? Yeah, I see your hands, yeah. I want to pray for you because I really believe there's grace for you. And even the fact that you're being honest, saying, God, I know I've been that way and I want to come out. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for these people and I ask you to rekindle things in their lives right now. Lord, where they have been hesitant and held back, God, I ask that you would now stir them again. Holy Spirit, would you stir them again with your presence, with your power? Lord, even as they re-engage in in whatever you've put on their heart, whatever you're calling them to do, God, I ask you right now for grace from heaven to come. I pray for a clear plan. I pray for even a sense of how to do what you're calling them to do. I pray for boldness. And I pray even right now as they put their hand up and they said, yes, Lord, you say to them, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Anoint them. Send them out as missionaries. Mm. Really feel that. Lord, hit them right now. Just feel them right now. Just really sense the Lord's pleasure that you put your hand up. I really do. I feel the Lord said there's some uh, there's some dreams here that uh, some people have thought have died. The Lord said they've not died. Some things were shelved. Some things were put in the back burner. But the Lord says, I've been working in you. I've been stirring you. I've been doing a deeper work in you. And now's the time to rise up. I stand against fear today that would come against any of us in Jesus' name. You know, slip your hand up for me if you deal with fear at times regarding some of these things. Just stepping out. Yeah, I see hands. Yeah, I do too. Father, I pray against fear in the name of Jesus. I pray against fear of lack. I pray against fear of not having enough. If we invest, if we give in, might not have enough for me and my family. I pray against that fear. Lord, I pray against the fear of being unable to, of not being good enough, of not having the ability. Pray against that. And I pray for a new boldness, a new faith to rise up, a new confidence to rise up in these people. Bless them, God. Help them sense that you're with them. There's nothing to be afraid about. I pray for new boldness. I really declare boldness over you. In Jesus' name. One last thing. One last thing. I feel like there's been some disappointment. 
feel like there's some people here you'd say, Pastor, you don't know, I'm really disappointed. God's really let me down. I feel like he's really let me down. I re- Somebody's really feeling that way. Here's what I feel the Lord says to you. You don't know all that I've been doing. You don't see the whole picture. You don't know everything. I love you. I've always been with you. I've never abandoned you. I know you're disappointed, but if you could see it from my perspective, you would know what I'm doing and I'm still with you and I'm going to work those things for good. But all I'm asking you is to trust me today. Trust me again today. I feel like you've, you've kind of had your, sometimes your fist in the air a bit, a little bit angry. Just with our heads bowed, eyes closed. Again, privacy here. I just feel, anybody want to respond to that at all? Just say, that's me. Yeah, I see hands. I see hands. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. <sighs> oh. Father, I pray for these people that have been disappointed. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'd speak truth to their souls. I pray that they'd hear you. They'd hear truth about their circumstance and what has happened and where things are at. Change their perspective to see it from your perspective, Father. And I pray right now that you'd recommission them. I declare over you recommissioning today. Yes, you've been disappointed. Yes, there's been some hurt and some difficulty. And I first, I speak over you healing. Lord, I pray for healing for these people. I pray that you'd come, speak truth and heal their spirits, heal their souls. But I pray that out of that, they would be recommissioned, recommissioned to move forward again without disappointment, without looking back, knowing that you have a good future for them. I declare that over them in Jesus' mighty name. And last call, anybody here has never given their life to Jesus. You've never said yes to Jesus. When I said about taking the one step towards God, you realize I need to do that today. Anybody here would say, I need to give my life to Jesus. Just slip your hand up for me right now. We're, we're going to be done right away. But anybody at all has never given their life to Jesus and says, today, I'm giving my life. I'm committing myself. Just slip your hand up for me. Father, thank you today that you're stirring us, all of us continue to work in our hearts today. Whatever you started here, continue to work it in our hearts because you have good for all of us. I bless this church. God, I thank you that Breathe New Life Church is called by you. I thank you for growth and increase in the days ahead. I thank you, Lord, that even though COVID was regressive and kind of huddled them together and restricted some things, they have not lost any time. They have not lost any momentum. Father, I thank you that better days are ahead. I thank you that their best days are ahead, both individually and as a church in this community. And I declare that over them. I pray for grace for Paul and Sarah and the rest of the team. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for healings, miracles, salvations in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen.